1: Mode of sipping drinking Arizona. Mixtape just around the corner, did a lot in California. you Can't wait to drop this, don't you? Yeah, they gon' have fun with that. Smash like song in my songs gon' break through like a running back. Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. My name is Mark Hamilton, and not joining me today, it's my colleague, my co-worker, my neighbor, my friend of me, Mr. Mark Daly, and that's because this is a continuation of our very popular interview series in fact this is the second interview that i've recorded today but one that i've been very much excited about joining us now in just a couple of minutes is friend of the show magnus Greaves. and magnus as our listeners know is the founder the publisher and the mastermind behind the race weekend publication sir welcome to the show it's great to be here thanks for having me back Magnus, since we last spoke, the entire world of Formula One has been flipped on its head. When we last spoke, I was in the desert, I was in the United Arab Emirates, getting ready for the season finale, which of course will go down in history, perhaps in infamy due to the outcome. Since then, we've kicked off the 2022 season, we're watching the new regulations in full force, but maybe as a refresher for our audience, maybe give them a bit of an introduction about you, about what you do, about race weekend and how race weekend was conceptualized and ultimately brought to life. A lot of our listeners are familiar with you, but we've brought on a ton of new listeners since then, and it might be a good refresher for our existing listeners and a good intro for our new listeners.
0: Absolutely. So I'm the co-founder and the publisher and the editor-in-chief of Race Weekend (laughs) Magazine. I wear a lot of different hats there. Uh, But Race Weekend Magazine, we focus on the circuits, the cities, and the culture of Formula One. So other guys are much smarter when it comes to technology and news and analyzing who won the race uh, but we come at it from a different level. So we, we kind of look at the culture and work in sometimes a little bit of the, the, the lifestyle that surrounds Formula One. Uh, we do it as a print magazine. You've seen it. It's, a, it's an oversized, supersized magazine. Um, and in fact, it's a funny... Th- yeah, there you go. It's, it's a funny thing. The, 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 the terminology of magazine keeps coming up. It's more because of the size and the look and the feel... The fact that we don't have any ads, the fact that the, the content is, is timeless, um, you know, it's, it's like a coffee table magazine if there is such a thing. So it, with with each issue that we publish, we take on a big theme. Uh, so we took on Jet Set Formula One, which is analyzing uh, all the different destinations and, and host cities for Grand Prix. Uh, we had uh, Formula One in the 1970s, and then now the next one coming out is Formula One in the USA. So we take a big topic, we come at it from different angles, and and each theme, each uh, issue is is focused on a big theme. Magnus,
1: you've had the opportunity to live and work in the UK and they have a very different magazine, newspaper culture. And if you look at British magazines, particularly automotive magazines, they're big, they're glossy, they're large format, they're more collectible. How much inspiration did you take from the magazines that you would have consumed and seen when you lived in the UK?
0: Well, I, I think we took inspiration from a lot of different areas, but in terms of the physical magazine, absolutely. So I lived, I grew up in Vancouver, but I lived in London uh, from when I was 19 till I was in my mid-30s. So that's when I, you know, was engaging with a lot of different types of magazines. And, you know, the the more the world becomes digital, uh, the more I think people are appreciating a really well-crafted physical analog experience. You know, so sometimes people say, hey, why are you doing a magazine? It's kind of, uh, isn't that kind of going backwards? But then they see what we do and they realize that our approach really fully takes advantage of that physical format and i feel that in a sport like formula one where if you're lucky um you know the, the 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 f1 circus might come to your country once or now if you're in the u.s twice um but it's but it's very expensive it's very hard to go to 99 percent of fans are not at a race so if we can create something that is physical and immersive and makes it feel like maybe you're you know touching something that's a little bit formula one Uh, that's what we try and do to take advantage of the, the, the physical print format. So, um, definitely inspired by, by a lot of things, by, by those beautiful magazines, as you mentioned, and bringing that aesthetic to the Formula One space. Also very much inspired by the, the experience of having attended a lot of Grand Prix, but even more so having had to just watch a lot of them at home in the dark on my own. And I wish that I could engage with Formula One in a different way, um, but yeah, we we've we really set out to do something different and to be honest with you, like we we started out creating it under a different format and a different name, but during the lockdown I think is when the biggest inspiration hit us and we realized that actually everybody uh, all Formula 1 fans were at home and and that kind of just made us look at things a little bit a little bit differently and that's when we sort of changed the editorial, changed the format, changed the branding uh, and and made it an even bigger better product to send to somebody at home so when they receive it you know, it's a bit more of, uh, of an experience. So try to take something positive out of being stuck at home.
1: For me, Race Weekend is very much a collectible. It's something that I want to keep. It's not something that I'm looking to dispose of, like you might with the traditional flimsy magazine that you pick up at the checkout stand at your local supermarket. Was that something that you had in mind when you were engineering that? which was the life cycle, the lifespan of this publication should be and could be much greater than a typical magazine that you pick up that's full of ads from the supermarket.
0: Definitely. You know, I I had a more traditional magazine business previously. I mean, I started my business in the finance and trading world, and then I got into the magazine world. And when you're making magazines, you're putting so much effort into it, and it lasts one month and then it's all gone and then it's out of date and then you got to do that whole effort again it's such a waste of 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 all that effort and all that input if it's just forgotten so from from a business point of view but also from an experience point of view i thought well why not why not create something that's going to stick around for a long time so the 1970s issue that we did for example that was several months ago in 2 years time we're not rewriting history on the 1970s that 1970s issue that you have is still you know, the definitive one to have. So I actually thought that from a from a, a, a fan point of view, so again, taking inspiration from the fact that a lot of new fans keep coming into the sport every year, which didn't used to be the case. So if somebody came in last year and they read that 1970s issue, or they come in in two years and read that 1970s issue, it's equally relevant to them. And then if you flip it around, I'm, from my side as somebody who's working with a wonderful team and putting out a magazine, it's really nice to... to to build an archive of magazines that people can reference and they can want for a long time going forward. So, you know, we try to take a different look not just at the physical aspect of it, but also the the editorial aspect of it, the way that people engage with it. And then we've actually matched that with a well, what for the magazine business is an innovative business model uh, by applying the direct-to-consumer model. So we don't go onto the newsstand, we don't sell it in any stores. Um, we, we try and engage with Formula One fans online in different ways, bring them to our website, and then try and deliver the magazines to them quickly through through Amazon. So we kind of tried to rethink what a magazine is and, and what's missing in the in the F1 fan experience from, from all sorts of different angles.
1: One of the first things that people are going to notice when they pick up Race Weekend for the first time is the complete absence of advertisements. How did you make the economics work without them, given that they are absolutely the lifeblood of the print industry? So
0: so we kind of, again, I, I, I look at everything from a fan's point of view, because I am a fan of Formula One and, and I'm a fan of magazines, but also from a business point of view, because this is my business. So from, from a fan's point of view, if you create a beautiful magazine, there's nothing worse than an ugly ad that interrupts it, right? And let's be honest, most ads tend to be ugly. And, and because each issue is based around a theme it would just feel like it was interrupting that that theme and that story and and as you say we kind of take more of a book type approach to it so very reluctant from the get-go but as you say most magazines depend on advertising to make their money however because we took on the direct-to-consumer business model it means that we're just focused on selling that with no middlemen in between so it's it's, it's between us and the person that purchases it coming to us via Shopify. Uh, and, and so that ends up having a lot of great results. One is it creates a better business model. That means we don't have to junk it up with ads. But it also means that every single person that subscribes to Race Weekend, uh, I know who they are and they have my email and it allows us to have a direct relationship back and forth. So the, the amount of feedback that I get directly from people that have the magazine is is unbelievable, and that would never ever happen uh, if if those same magazines were sold on a newsstand. the the They would be anonymous to me, and I would be anonymous to them. But instead, because I'm able to see every subscription that comes through, and 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 uh, my email is right there in the magazine, uh, the relationship is much different. And I think that's really important when you love the topic and you're trying to create something that's that's community-based and, you know, all about engaging with each other.
1: So I can absolutely attest to that reality. I remember one of the first times that you and I were talking, I had actually submitted my order for race weekend in the background and you got the notification that popped up while we were talking. You heard the ka uh, in
0: the background.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I can absolutely confirm that that's a very real part of your business. So, you know, you're two issues deep as we're about to discover. You're three issues deep. Your third issue is, is shipping now. From your perspective, based on the goals and based on the forecast that you may you may have had, is is race weekend performing interest wise to the level that maybe you expected in an increasingly digital world? And what has been your principal method of promoting it, given the fact that it's not something that somebody could pick up at borders or chapters on their newsstand?
0: So, from a from a living up to my expectations point of view, I, I would say absolutely. So, I think the hardest part is to make a product that people have an emotional response to and that they really love. And I get feedback that reinforces that literally every single day, right? People email or, or if I show it to somebody. Um, and I think that's the hardest thing to do. You know, uh, people have a lot of different options for entertaining themselves or finding out about Formula One or what have you. So from that point of view, that's the most important thing to me. Uh, the feedback is incredible in terms of the product. In terms of Building uh, it's important to me as well to build out a, a smart business model around it because it needs to be sustainable and you know as you're saying there's there's challenges around the traditional magazine uh, business model so from that point of view super happy super happy in terms of the audience growth every single thing I see is incredibly encouraging right and and we have people coming to us literally on a daily basis that will get subscriptions. But then, when we do certain so, like, for instance, being on a podcast really helps us connect uh, to people and talk to people about what we do in a in a different way. It is very hard to communicate a physical what a physical what's great about a physical item uh, in 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 a digital environment, especially when it's like ours and you're trying to tell people it's really big. I mean, no matter how many times you tell them, it still takes them by surprise when they actually get it. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 super happy with where things are at and going into you know i think we're going to get onto this as a topic but going into miami in a few weeks time two weeks time uh we have just a huge number of initiatives and opportunities to to reach people on a much higher level so i think everything that we've done to date is establishing it and and making sure that it all works and that people like it and that we make the adjustments that we need um but Miami, I think, is going to be the, the the game-changing moment for us. To be honest with you, I think it's going to be the game-changing moment for Formula One. Uh, but but certainly for our little company and what we do, it's um, it's definitely going to be a game changer.
1: You deserve significant credit for being a very humble operator and you've managed to bring some very talented people on board to support with race weekend and obviously elizabeth blackstock is one who actually joined us a couple of weeks ago we had a fantastic interview darren heath one of the most established photographers in the entire formula one industry how do you create these relationships and how do you nurture them ongoing
0: well i, th- I think because we do something that's unique and we put a lot of care and and and, and attention to it it naturally attracts some really great people you know the the co-founder of the magazine tom brown uh is also the creative director and he's an absolute creative genius when it comes to graphic design and magazines and um you know he his network his reputation brings in a lot of people on the creative side and i think it gives people a lot of comfort uh, that he's there and and it also gives people you know it excites people because As much as we in our minds think of Formula One as this really cool, fun, you know, great looking, you know, enterprise, um, a lot of the media that's out there doesn't reflect that. So if we're able to create a product that is expressing what's great about Formula One in a different way, then that's going to attract world class people to come and work with us, whether it's, you know, uh, writers, editors, designers, photographers, artists. That's something I'm, I'm super proud of is that we've been able to commission different artists uh, to contribute to our magazines and some of our special projects. Uh, artists that have never, illustrators that have never worked in Formula One before, uh, but Tom's able to guide them and tell them what we're trying to achieve. And then and just seeing really fresh design and approaches come into this space is, is super fun for us. But I think it really takes other people by surprise as well. Um and then you know, like I said, we're all very close to the feedback, so you know we all kind of uh, we get we all get that we all enjoy that, and and you know it's it's everybody has their own other gigs that they do, right? We put this together four times in over the course of a year, so everybody has their other projects, and this is this is something that everybody loves to do and comes at it from absolutely the right reason. So I think that also helps as well, and everybody's able to kind of have their voice. We're all Formula One fans, the core team, uh, but we all have different reasons why we love it or we come at it from different angles. So it's just fun. It's just a fun product to put together and it's, it's a fun product to see other people engage with.
1: As an aspiring F1 photographer, there's no better feeling than getting your print back, getting it framed, physically holding it in your hand as something something tangible that you created. How was the experience and how were your emotions the first time you drove up to the print shop and saw in person that first printed issue of Race Weekend?
0: I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy, right? Because you have a vision for something. And and also like from my perspective, so I have a, I know what I hope that it looks like, but I'm not the designer. I'm not the person putting that together creatively. I really try and have my input, but you know that's that's really where where Tom leads the charge. So when when I end up seeing what I end up seeing is the finished product always exceeds my own expectations of it, right? Because when you're not the one that is able to actually build it, uh, when when you see something at the end that's been put through the hands of somebody who just absolutely knows what they're doing, then it, it, it's, uh, it's just super exciting and it's super satisfying. But then there's always that moment. You're very nervous because I think I'm predisposed to liking it because it's my, my business. And it was my idea to go down that particular theme, but it's always, it's always that first moment when, uh, somebody else looks at it and, and, and gives you the feedback. And, you know, I, uh, the 1970s issue is an interesting one. So, uh, on the back of that issue somebody reached out to me um, who is actually uh, he races uh, vintage Formula One cars and the, the era is of the 1970s so this 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 guy this is when he was really uh, you know deeply into Formula One and and he saw the 1970s issue and he reached out to me to introduce himself because he said that that it was so good and it was so on point and, and that we really got it right. So we wanted to sort of meet the people that were behind it. And look, I, I was born in the 1970s, so I wasn't watching Formula One back then. So to get that type of feedback from somebody with much greater knowledge than I do was, was extremely satisfying.
1: Magnus, as much as I am dying to hear about the latest issue, you know, I'm going to do that typical sports radio tease. We're going to get to that after the commercial break. You got ads. We do. We've got some ads. And we'll be back in just a minute.
0: Passion, drive, and patience.
1: The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to
0: peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more.
1: Welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. My name is Mark Hamilton, and joining me once again is the founder, the mastermind, the publisher of Race Weekend Magazine, one of the hottest Formula One publications in the entire industry. If you haven't subscribed, guess what? Now is your chance. We are going to be releasing an exclusive coupon code that will enable you to save up to 10% on your subscription. Expect to see that in our Twitter feed soon. That said, though, Magnus, we're here to hear about the latest issue. You've dropped a couple of issues already. Issue number three is on its way. I believe, I believe it's going to be an exclusive release at the Miami Grand Prix, followed by hitting mailboxes everywhere soon.
0: Well, I have to say that this is the issue that I'm most excited about, because not only is it an interesting theme, but it's coming at a really interesting time. So this issue is Formula One in the USA. So we look at the really long relationship of Formula One and the United States of America, whether that's hosting Grand Prix, whether that's American drivers, American companies that are sponsors. Um, And what's, what's interesting about it is that there's all this talk about, you know, Austin and then, oh, you know, Miami came on board and then Las Vegas. There's been in total now 11 different cities and circuits that have hosted a Formula One Grand Prix. And so we really dive into that story, and it goes back, like I said, it goes back decades. To, to introduce that story right now is interesting on two levels. One, so many of the new fans have come to the sport from Drive to Survive. So, you know, they're, they're newer, they're, they're gaining all this new knowledge, but their in-depth knowledge already is just sort of, you know, maybe three seasons old. And, and so they're kind of getting caught up to speed. So I think when American fans in particular realize that there's this deep, rich history of Formula One in the United States, I think that's going to be super interesting to them. We're actually bringing the issue out at the Miami Grand Prix. So as I keep saying, I really feel like Miami is going to be a game changer. The, the amount of people there, the way that they're going about it, all the stuff that's going around in the city um, just creates an opportunity to to... Bring out a themed issue when that theme is at its most relevant, right? Formula One will actually physically be in the USA and and we'll be bringing out the story. We also had a a, a a first for us, which is, um we have Daniel Ricardo on the cover of the issue. Uh, and we chose Daniel Ricardo because he seems to be the sort of adopted uh, American driver. I think I think he seems to be, So unbelievably popular in the United States, probably on the off of, you know, what happened in Drive to Survive. And um, so we've got a really great picture of him uh, from last year's Austin Grand Prix. And we were very, very fortunate because he agreed to sit uh, to an exclusive interview with us where we didn't really talk about racing. We talked about the United States and why he loves it so much Uh, and, and and. when he started to sort of fall in love with the country as a kid, his first experiences there and, um, and what it's like, I mean, he has a house there, you know, so, so it was really nice to have that type of conversation with him. Uh, and we've, we use that to sort of inspire, you know, how we put the issue together, the different things that we looked at. Some of the quotes from that interview will sort of introduce each of the sections of the magazine. Um, and then we'll, we'll release, you know, more of that interview, uh, In different ways but yeah it's just it's just a it's just a really great story and you know again I go into these knowing something about it knowing it's a story to be told but then you know when other people like Elizabeth get their hands on it and dig deep into it uh, I end up learning so much myself and so you know if, if I'm learning in that process it just makes me more excited to give that issue to to other people.
1: So first of all, Magnus, congratulations on landing that fantastic Daniel Ricardo interview. I can't think of anybody that would have fit this issue in your publication better than Daniel, especially since he he resonates so well with the US consumer. Market. So I gotta ask you, obviously, every issue so far has had a personality. it's had a flavor. You talk about the fact that you've got some great contributors and Elizabeth and Tom and Darren amongst many others, who had their fingerprints all over this issue? So Tom,
0: Tom always leads the design charge, um, Tom Brown. Uh, Elizabeth wrote two two great features. So one was the breakdown of all of the cities and circuits that have hosted a US Grand Prix over the years. And what we, we look at, you know, well, ultimately why they all failed, <laughs> except for Austin. Um, but but it's in, you know, you can't just look at I, uh, Austin in isolation, right? When you look at it in the context of all the races that preceded it, you see why Austin was successful and then why Miami is poised to be ultra successful. Uh, so anyway, so she did an amazing job with that. Uh, we were able to dip into some amazing photo archives to 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 paint a visual picture around that. We have um, also a portfolio of of images around different Formula uh, American drivers that have participated in Formula One, different brands that have uh, that have been sponsors, and there's some some great old brands. But then the 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 feature that that I really love in this issue is taking a look at Haas, you know, as an American team, and and why. American fans have been so reluctant to embrace, you know, Haas as a as an American team. Uh, but also, I think, why American brands and companies and sponsors have been reluctant to embrace it. And um, it's kind of, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to consider. And I don't think it's as simple as, you know, Mazepin was involved. I know that you can't just boil it down to that. I think, again, you need to look at it in context and you need to think like, you know, what, what would make that situation different? And, and maybe that's on us. Maybe, you know, maybe we need to change how we look at that team and, and embrace it in a different way. So we try and put some of those questions out there in that feature. And I'm, I'm super proud of, of, of uh, what we've done there. And Elizabeth wrote that. And uh, I really look forward to the feedback on, on that story in particular.
1: Magnus, you are unquestionably one of the busiest people in the F1 industry. Since we last spoke, aside from dropping another fantastic issue of Race Weekend, what other projects have you had on the go?
0: So we're we're going all in on on Miami. Uh there is so much happening there. So starting with the race itself, you know, the 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 promoters, which are obviously the, you know, the Miami Dolphins um just their experience in running an NFL team and looking at the world differently than most people that come at Formula One has been incredible. And so we have been extremely fortunate uh, and we've been able to form a a bit of a partnership with them and they commissioned us to create uh, basically the Race Weekend Guide to Miami. So a specific guide that just breaks down what Miami is all about. And again, looking at it from that Circuit City culture point of view, you know what i mean people are going to be in miami for 3 days what is there to do in miami it turns out there's a heck of a lot to do in miami it's incredible but also but where where that that great lifestyle of that city intersects with with you know motorsport, the, the automotive culture there you know why is this why was miami selected to be a a grand prix destination you know and and it's more than just being a business opportunity you know the ceo of 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 the race is a huge Formula One fan. And you go there and you see not just a vision of what they're creating uh, at the at the circuit, but this is the, I mean, it blew me away. So we I spent about 10 days there when we were running around and photographing everything. Literally every single venue that we went into, as soon as we, the first sentence came out, hey, we're here for Formula One Grand Prix, everybody in the city, not only did they instantly get it, but they they welcomed us in. They turned it around on us. They're lecturing us, telling us, "Did you know it's bigger than the Super Bowl? We have it for ten years. We love Formula One." I, I have never in my life experienced that type of reception, awareness, enthusiasm around a Grand Prix uh, coming to town. And so, you know, that that was amazing to see. And then we found out that there was going to be a fan fest in in Miami during the, the Grand Prix weekend. So we thought, well this is super cool. So let's let's see what that's all about. It turns out there's actually going to be four fan fests going on in Miami that weekend, which is which is incredible because none of them are, are put on by the circuit or by F1. It's put on by different groups that recognize that there's more people that wanted to go to the race than were able to get tickets. You know, and also it also acknowledges the fact that there's so many casual fans that people this is coming to our town well we want to know what it's about so there's four different fan fests going on there's the the, the race itself you know Miami's a city that knows how to host an, a, a global event when Art Basel and different things come to town so every restaurant and club and 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 venue is just embracing this opportunity with the Grand Prix so it, it's just amazing so so we have been working on this guide with the grand prix which is a wonderful experience we're setting ourselves up at uh, racing fan fest which is going to be in the winwood area of of miami so we've taken over a, a converted container ship uh, so so we'll be able to sell the magazines there and and you know for all the talk about direct to consumer there's nothing more direct to consumer than actually being where fans are and letting them touch the magazine uh, unfortunately, Formula One themselves don't ever let us sell them at the circuits. Uh, so this is, this is really the next best thing is to be in a city that's hosting a Formula One race with enthusiastic fans and new fans and letting them touch and experience you know, what, uh, what we do.
1: Magnus, you're too good at being interviews. You really stole the next question away from me before I could even ask it. I really wanted to know about the anticipation and the excitement in South Florida for this event. That said, my assumption has always been that this was really an event to draw people into South Florida as opposed to appeal to the people that live there. Is it a bit of both? What's your perspective on who it is that's going to be attending the Fan Fests and the race?
0: I, I think what's what makes this special is that there's such a again i think this is part of the netflix effect is that everybody has some level of awareness about formula one right and and you know that it's special and so you will come and check it out to some degree so there was obviously a lot of people fighting over tickets um but also i think because of the fan fest people will be able to look at it and engage with it uh, in in a different way as well miami is so well positioned to appeal to people coming from all throughout North America, from South America, from Europe. Nobody ever is going to complain about taking a flight to Miami. Uh so many amazing sort of lifestyle options and stuff. So yeah, the 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 international audience that's coming and also, you know, this is you know coming out of uh you know the hopefully the worst part of the pandemic when all the travel was shut down. I think a lot of people are, are have been waiting Uh, to go to a destination like Miami for a reason like Formula One. Uh, So, yeah, no, I I honestly, I've never seen anything like it. And I feel as though it's going to set a new standard in terms of, I mean, they're doing a lot of super cool stuff at the stadium, at the, at the, the, the circuit itself. There's no doubt about it. But to me, what makes a Grand Prix special? And this is something that we talk about a lot in our, you know, jet set issue when we analyze all the different destinations, is that interplay between the circuit and the city right? There's nothing more disappointing than when you go to a race and you leave the circuit and then the atmosphere is gone, right? There's nothing worse than, I mean, sometimes the city is just fun enough anyway and, and you know, you're going to have a good night out. But, but when you put so much into it, there's nothing better than seeing the sponsors and the teams and different people doing F1 themed events and activations around town during the day at night, so that your whole weekend becomes taken over by Formula One. And I think Miami is going to do that on a whole other level. You know, I think Montreal does that extremely well, but I think, I think Miami sort of put some different thought into it. And um, I think a lot of other circuits and, and Grand Prix will have to uh, do a little bit of uh, self-reflection and, 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 uh, and make some improvements to their to their overall experience.
1: So Miami kicks off in just a couple of weeks. They've got a 10-year contract. It looks like that event's going to be a success. Since you and I last spoke, and you've been hinting to me for a long time that this was in the cards, no pun intended, Las Vegas is going to kick off next year. They've got a 10-year agreement reportedly worth north of $50 to $100 million a year to host that race. Now, you are close to the fan side of the sport, but you also have your finger on the pulse of F1 as a business. Based on your proximity to Formula One in that sense, do you believe that it's peaked in the US or do you believe that there might still be growth left there? Aside from more races, how more can F1 capitalize on the interest?
0: I I think think it's, honestly, I think there's just so much more to do because I think you have to look at the way that North American fans experience the sport. Right, And they experience it on on so many different levels. I mean, yes, it's great that there's races coming uh, to to the country and and people can go and see it live, but haven't even scratched the surface in terms of the content that is created around the racing. You and I are both basketball fans. For every one hour I watch of the NBA, I consume at least four to five hours of other types of, of, of NBA content that isn't the game itself. And so we're really... At an early stage, when it comes to that, you know, there's a lot of amazing independent content creators. Whether it's you know yourself, you know, creating a podcast with Mark, uh, so many other people. But now, what I'm seeing is this this rush of all of the big general sports you know outlets. Uh, whether it's the Ringer, it's a land grab. It's a land grab. You have the Ringer. You have Sports Illustrated. You got Barstool and to see them embrace it is amazing. And again, people are just at the very beginning of this, right? And so y- you've got all these charismatic and and high-performing young drivers, you know what I mean? It's not like oh those guys are all about to retire out and then we'll, you know, will the next crop be good? No, we're the, the sport is full of great young drivers. Even those guys, they're just now adopting to you know what it means to be a global sports star or a sports star in the United States. Again, I look at the NBA; those guys are so savvy; they know how to engage uh, with 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 their fan base. I think the Formula One athletes are just at the beginning stage of that. You know, I think I think that the the contract, that the televised contract, television contract in the U.S. is up for grabs. Uh, whoever gets it next is going to do a, a whole lot more with it. So so that's going to bring people along as well. I think that they're probably going to slightly refresh the, the storyline approach of the Netflix series, um, which, which is which is important because I think I think Netflix has done an amazing job b- bringing people into the sport, but now all those people that are in the sport are a lot more knowledgeable. So I think that it offers the opportunity to go deeper into you know the, 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 the storylines are behind the scenes, and that'll just get people more and more interested in it. They'll learn more about it. Uh, I know, I've spoken to people, there's numerous different Formula One related shows uh, that are in development uh, at the moment, so we're going to get these different perspectives, and whether that's, you know, something like talking about the origins of F1 in a dramatized way, uh, or or maybe it's another reality type show, again, there's just so much happening there. I, I feel like, uh, Formula One as a sport is 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 behind the times when it comes to the merchandising of the sport. I mean, first of all, you can't you can't walk into a store anywhere and get it. Um, I mean, I know a place in Miami, but you know, actually, I was going to tell you about this. I, I did see uh, a concession of one of the department stores in downtown Vancouver now has some 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 items, but you know, again, this is this is this is early stage stuff. So no, I feel like there's so much more. I feel like people are just learning about it. Formula One is a sport where the more you know, the more you can know, the more you want to know, the deeper you get involved. So I think um, no, I think we're at the very beginning, which is which is exciting.
1: You are a huge advocate for community generated and in independent F1 content. Why are independent content producers so important to the F1 community as a whole?
0: Oh I think it's I think it's I think that's the unsung heroes of this sport. You know, when, when, you know, this isn't just a new phenomenon. You know, these independent content creators are the ones that have sort of were keeping flying the flag and keeping the sport going and getting people into it before Netflix came and got all the credit for it. Right. And, and then a lot of new content creators came on the back of, of Formula One and brought new fresh voices. I think it's so important for so many different reasons. Like I said, I think Formula One and the broadcasters are a little bit lazy with with the content that they do to sort of provide more context i think that that also the different faces and voices of these creators that have come in you know really opens it up to the new diversity of of the sport of the audience which is which is which is amazing i think that the the new content creators take advantage in a more natural way of all of the different platforms whether it's you know tiktok twitch podcasts you name it um no, I think, I, think, I think that is a huge, huge part of why it's growing so much in the United States. I think that Netflix was great to sort of light that spark, but Formula One, a lot of the media that they have already presumes a certain amount of knowledge or experience with the sport. And I think we probably talked about it last time, but they Formula One itself actually commissioned us as Race Weekend to create the Beginner's Guide to Formula One. And the whole goal behind that, which is something that we pitched to them, was we said, you know, this new Netflix fan, there's no sort of definitive starting place for them to learn about the sport in an easy, comfortable way. Uh, So they commissioned us to create that guide. and, And, you know, the response we got to that was fantastic. So, again, I think I think people that are new to the sport also know what other people that are new to the sport want to see. Right. And. Also, I think there's a lot more entrepreneurship, a lot more experimentation. So, I mean, as you know, because we tried to do something together in Miami, but at the FanFest, we're taking over this container. Half of the container is going to be, you know, for for merchandise, for trying to sell the magazine. But the other half, you know, we're trying to to do different types of content coming out of there. So we have uh, Ash, who's going to do her live streaming on Twitch. Uh, during during the race, which is going to be really great. She usually does that at home and does an amazing job. But now, not only will people around the world be able to follow what she's doing, but people right there will see that she's got her headset on and her computer, and she's she's live streaming it. And you know, um, TikTok uh, F1 Tony from TikTok will, will will be there doing some live streaming and stuff as well, some TikTok live. So again, these these creators are more inclined to go out and engage with their audience in different ways and just experiment. So uh, that's super great for the fan, but now what we're seeing is some of the more, uh, some, some of the more forward-thinking teams and sponsors and, and circuits are reaching out to these content creators and saying, hey, let's partner up, let's do something together. So I think Formula One is the most top-down organization I've ever seen in my life. You know. And, and it's, it's not typically been a hospitable environment for entrepreneurs. I know that well for, for the past seven years. But, but I think a lot of people are just taking it upon themselves to, to, to create things. And now I can see that that's having an influence. Maybe not necessarily on you know, F1 HQ, but certainly on some of the teams. The other thing which is really interesting to me from the business side is with three races now in the United States plus Montreal up north and then further south in in Mexico City, and the huge number of casual fans and newer fans, there is now enough of a market and an audience just within North America to have a really successful business because there's a big enough of an audience. Just three years ago when I was traveling around, four years ago traveling around with Formula One, and I'd show up at a European race, and people kind of look at me funny because... You're like What do I have to offer? I'm, I'm based in North America. That's completely flipped around. And now people are looking at it as a huge strategic advantage that we're based out here and that we're immersed in this, you know, F1 North American F1 community. So, listen, it's... it's it- with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them.
1: Magnus, your enthusiasm, your excitement, and your optimism for the future of the sport, especially in North America, is is infectious. And I get so excited just having these conversations with you. So all of that aside, it's incredibly exciting that the magazine is doing well. I want to ask you a couple of questions before we sign off, mostly about your thoughts on the championship so far. And I should ask. Do you even have time to focus on the championship with all the business and all the travel? Have you even been able to watch any of the races so far?
0: this is why I do it is to watch is to watch the races. I I love I this is why I love I love it. I love watching every race. I love watching as much of it as I can. And I love the way that this season has started. And it, it, you know, I people ask me who who are you cheering for and I have the most boring answer. I, I literally I just want to see an amazing race and I want I want there to be You know, I want there to be Jeopardy. I want there to be, uh, you know, surprise winners and surprise finishers. But like when I when I saw, you know, Albon's strategy and him getting a point like that was amazing to me. When I see Ferrari winning races again, it's like, yes, that's how it should be. You know, I I think um, I hate hearing these commentators talking about some of them talk like it's already over. I think it's ridiculous. I think we're in for we're in for an amazing season you know, I think that there's there's enough movement around there and seeing some of the you know, new people doing well and the new teams doing well in the midfield. Uh, I I I love it. I'm absolutely loving the season so far.
1: What's been the biggest surprise for you so far, based on where you thought the season would have been?
0: You know, I think that seeing a team like Alpha do well is a is like a really pleasant surprise. I get such a kick out of that, honestly. Um I think seeing Red Bull have its 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 problems, um, you know that's uh, that that that's not great. But that it, it does come as a bit of a surprise. But again, we're just a few races into it, so I think a lot of these things can get worked out. But um, maybe my favorite surprise is uh, Kevin Magnussen coming back. I, I you know, <laughs> nobody could have predicted that. You know, I I just I, I love I love I love seeing a guy who. Didn't, you know, you got to remember, all these guys come in as champions, as winners, and then sometimes they just get stuck in a team or a situation. They never get to even get on a podium. So to see him come back and get a, a fresh chance is really cool. And then to see him in a car now that surprisingly is doing well, I mean, you know, I just love those, I love those stories.
1: Are you brave enough to make some early predictions for the Constructors' title and the World Drivers' Championship?
0: I'm terrible on that side of things, but... Uh, listen, I, I'll say this is that I think it's great that Ferrari's off to a hot start, but I think you, you know you've been watching the sport long enough things can change very very quickly and uh, yeah I, I no 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 bold predictions though I'm sorry.
1: All right, fair enough. Now, I am going to ask you a question, and I am going to hold you to an answer. For those of you that don't know, obviously, Magnus and I get along when we're behind the microphone, but when we're not behind the microphone, we butt heads a little bit, and that's because Magnus is a diehard Philadelphia 76ers fan, I am a diehard Toronto Raptors fan, and they keep running into each other in the playoffs. Now, it looks like the 76ers will have the better of the Toronto Raptors this year, but my friend, how far do you think your treasured 76ers can go in the playoffs this year,
0: well, I I would be very realistic about this. You know, you and I talked about this. I actually thought this this series was going to be a lot more of a challenge. I thought I thought it was going to come down to coaching. I thought Nick Nurse was going to coach circles around Doc Rivers, um, but he's risen to the occasion. So is Embiid. So has Tyrese Maxey. So we're, we're we're looking amazing. I think I think also if if James Harden knows his place, you know that he's not who he once was but he can contribute in a great way if he doesn't try and force it but delivers on what he needs to i actually genuinely feel like this is what's amazing about about the nba season this year is that there's no clear favorite like every day it looks like somebody different's going to be you know at the top there so i mean there's literally i think four different teams that have a a, a legit shot at winning so um you know i think i think our sixers are 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 looking pretty good. And, and the confidence that, uh, that Embiid is displaying is, is, is amazing to watch.
1: Magnus. I couldn't agree with you more on that one. I've never known the NBA playoffs and I've been watching the NBA for 30 years. Now I've never known the NBA playoffs to be so wide open. And in essence, it's really what formula one wants. It wants that level of competitive parity and that amount of unpredictability in its own championship. Magnus, I have dragged this podcast way off course. I want to thank you so much for joining us. I want to thank you for everything that you do for the community, and I want to thank you for producing a fantastic publication like Race Weekend. Now, I want to throw it over to you. How can people subscribe to the magazine? How can they follow you, and how can they get updates on all the great stuff that you're doing?
0: So so as I mentioned before, all of, uh, all of our subscription sales happen at our website. So theraceweekend.com. And obviously we spell it funny with the W-K-N-D. Um, on social media, you know, we, we're, we're on Instagram at, at theraceweekend. Uh, but I think the, the, the most exciting thing at the moment is the fact that we're going to be at this fan fest in Wynwood in Miami uh, during the, the Miami Grand Prix. So I personally, I'll be there the whole time. I'm so looking forward to meeting people that are, have already subscribed to form, uh, to, to Race Weekend uh, and the new people that we can introduce it to. Um, so yeah, come, come for now, come to the website and you'll get the, the, the new F1 in the USA issue is leaving the printers in the next couple of days. So we'll be shipping that one out with the, with the first two issues. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty exciting time for us.
1: My friend, that's amazing. We wish you nothing but the best in Miami, and I hope the third issue is a smash success for you no th-
0: thank you. What you guys do is amazing and and I really appreciate the opportunity to come and and talk to you about uh. About race weekend. So thanks
1: for everybody listening at home. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Skid F1 podcast. Once again, my name is Mark Hamilton. We cannot thank you enough for all of the support. As you know, we are an independent podcast. We grind every day because we want to produce the kind of F1 content that we would want to listen to ourselves. Now I'll ask everyone at home a big favor. If you have the opportunity, if you can go to Spotify, if you can go to Apple Music, if you can give us a review, a rating, it means the world to both mark daly and myself as promised we're going to throw something up into our twitter feed in the coming days and we'll also mention it on subsequent podcasts but we'll make sure that you're aware of the podcast coupon code that will help you see some real great savings on your upcoming subscription hopefully fingers crossed to magnus greaves race weekend oh, publication once again this is mark hamilton signing off thanks for listening Bye-bye. I feel like a locomotive sipping, drinking, Arizona. Mixtape just around the corner. Did a lot in California. Can't wait to drop this don't you. Yeah, they're going to have fun with that. Smash like song. Come in, my song's going to break through like a running back.